Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me. This is Turfcrest Epistemology. My name is Travis Shaddix. It's voting day. I just did a short, brief little video on on um, a YouTube a YouTuber that is a little bit um, a little bit off on his his position on things and. And now I closed it off and came back to this one. So thank you for the one or two people that came back. I think I lost everybody. So that's okay. It'll be here for them to watch when they come back or when they have time to come watch it later. Okay. So for the next, I don't know, week or two <laughs> or three, I'm going to try to do this as short as possible because it drives, thatch is just like, blah. I don't, I'm not a thatch person. There's people that are Thatch people, and I'm going to have an author come on next week who is a Thatch person, and he might come on again because he has another. I'm going to go over two of his papers, um, and I'm going to do them in chronological order. So I don't know if he's willing to come back after he does next week or not, but we'll see what happens. We have an author coming on on uh, what is today Tuesday. We have an author coming on on um, on Thursday morning. So this week's normal. Tomorrow will be at 9 p.m. Eastern time, and then and then Thursday will be 10 a.m. Eastern time. And, wait a second. So tomorrow? Oh, actually, he might be on. Let me think here. Today's, I'm getting confused. Oh, yeah, so he might, yeah, we might end up doing it tomorrow, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. I'm sorry. So we may end up having the author come on on Wednesday night to go over. Um, how do we actually measure thatch and what are the, what are the more accurate m methods of measuring thatch? That'll be probably tomorrow night, I guess, is what we'll do with that. Today, we're going to talk about what is thatch and we're going to go way back to 1967 and walk through the process of the scientists back then trying to figure out what it was and why is it so difficult to decay and all these things. Um, yeah, thanks Jesse for, for showing up and I'm in the background now. Oh, I see all the text and stuff from the prior, oh, from the prior stream is still on here. That's interesting. I didn't know that would happen. So the prior stream that I just did, all the, all the chat is on this stream. <clears throat> I learned something new. Didn't know that. Um, so we're going to learn a little bit about uh, what thatch is and why it's a problem and, and how they were going about trying to figure out why is why is it not decaying sort of thing. That's kind of what this paper is about. So the paper we're going to talk about today is investigations into the nature of thatch and methods for its de its decomposition. This is by Lederbauer and Scogli in 1967. This is published in, uh, well, where is it? I thought it was Crop Science. No, Agronomy Journal. It was published in Agronomy Journal in 1967. So top tier journal. This is one of our top journals, guys. Let's just get through it. I'm going to end up reading most of this, or most of the green parts. And sometimes I go into the tables or figures. I might do that a little bit here. But this particular paper, I'm going to miss something or I'm going to screw something up by just going through the tables because it's a little bit... Um, challenging. <laughs> so I'm just going to read most of this and discuss it as we go. Uh, the introduction. Excessive accumulation of undecomposed surface organic matter is a major problem of modern turfgrass culture. This layer of plant debris is generally referred to as thatch 
It has led researchers as well as professional turf maintenance personnel to experiment with a wide variety of control methods. So remember 1967, this was whatever it was, 50 years ago. Um, thatch had not yet been well described or identified yet. They didn't know. All they knew is that there was this plant material above the surface or around the surface that wasn't leaf tissue and it wasn't always root tissue. It was just this thick sort of mat of organic layer, organic turf tissue that would result in issues in terms of like water penetration or sometimes uh, shoot emergence. So I have a, a, a picture of uh, some zoysia grass in for, um, Florida where um, the turf grass manager was having problems. And it was one of the few instances where when I went up there and it was in the, I guess this was in the villages. And they had replaced years ago, they had replaced the St. Augustine grass that had died with, with zoysia grass. And they had somebody in the HOA had this brilliant idea of putting in zoysia grass because it was going to solve all their problems. But just like any turf grass, if you don't know how to manage it, just like any tree or any bush, if you don't know how to manage it and it gets out of control, it's not the plant's fault. You just didn't know what you were doing. You didn't have the proper management practices and implemented. And so when they went from St. Augustine grass, which doesn't really need anywhere near the same management uh, intensity as zoysia grass. They just thought zoysia grass would be fine and it was fine for four or five years, right? And then when the thatch, after that four or five years of growth, the thatch started to build up. And what happened was because the thatch on the top of the surface was so thick, when I was on site, it was pretty clear. I started pulling, pulling out the thatch with my hands and you could see little sprouts trying to force their way up through the thatch, but they couldn't make it through. It couldn't get exposure to sunlight because the thatch was was uh, preventing that. So I told the gentleman, just rake this thatch. I get like two or three guys in here and just come in here with some thatch rakes or just regular hard rakes for this particular line and just rip it all out. Rip out the thatch as best you can. Spend an hour on it. You'll get all this thatch out. And I bet it bounces back. And there's some photos before and after that where that's exactly what happened. As soon as it got exposure to light, there wasn't any resistance to those those sprouts coming through the thatch. It popped right back and you know literally i think it was a month later it was perfectly fine um, but it looked horrible beforehand so thatch can be a problem and at the, back back then they knew it was a problem they just didn't know exactly what it was or how to manage it so beard daniel and robertson bredicos whatever that name is sorry have established that the shallow fibrous roots in several turf grass species are almost completely regenerated each year and thus potentially contribute to thatch buildup remember we didn't even know how thatch built up back then we didn't know what it was composed of we didn't know how it built up they didn't know much about it. Thatch accumulation is a direct result of management practices which produce abundant vegetative growth of grasses. Little valid information exists on why this surface organic matter does not readily decompose. So now, I mean, it makes sense in today's um, turf management world where if you have above ground tissue growing at a rate greater than it's decomposing, you're going to have a buildup of above ground tissue or below ground tissue for that matter. Okay. So anytime the tissue is growing faster than it's decaying, you're going to have eventually some need to manage that. It's going to continue to grow and build up and build up. And in general, the leaf tissue is going to decay at a much greater rate than the stem tissue. And we know that's now it's like, duh, it's common sense. But back then they didn't really, well, they kind of knew it. They just didn't have any data to support this. And that's what this paper is going to show. Chemical analysis of monocotyledonous plants have been reported for pasture forage and field crop species, but reports on lawn thatch itself have not been found. 
Studies reported by Bonner and Miller, Millar on the chemical makeup of several cereal straws, corn cobs, and winter rye are at different growth stages showed that straw contains approximately 40% cellulose, 35 to 40% xylans in hemicellulose, and 17 to 19% in lignin. So whenever in turf grass we don't have any information, oftentimes we'll go to agriculture because they generally will have better information than we do because they've been doing research on it for longer. We don't have a lot of money in turf grass, and so we don't. sometimes we don't have the answers. And so when we don't have answers in turf, sometimes going to ag is valid, and this is what they did here. They just said, you know, these grasses, and corn is, is similar. It's a, it's a type of a grass. This is what they found in corn, so maybe this is similar to turf. Xylans, hemicellulose, and cellulose were readily decomposable when incorporated in moist, warm, and well-aerated soils, but the lignin fraction was highly resistant to microbial degradation from these Bonner and Millar studies. Okay, so... He's saying, well, this happened in corn. You know, this kind of might give us a little, a general direction to move towards when we're looking at what's going to happen in turf, which is a fairly valid approach when you don't have any information other than corn. According to Rice, this study, the only practical way to alleviate the thatch problem in lawns is to remove portions of it with turf thinning and slicing machines, which is today still a valid approach. In the case of golf putting or lawn bowling greens, thatch removal should be followed by soil top dressing to retain a smooth playing surface. These are costly and time-consuming operations and temporarily detract from appearance and interfere with their use. This is still the case today. Methods which would increase the rate of thatch de decomposition to a practical level without seriously disrupting the service would greatly aid modern turf maintenance. You could say that same exact sentence today. <laughs> you could. You could say that if there's a way we can reduce thatch buildup without disturbing the surface would be beneficial to turf managers. You could write that right now today in a scientific literature and it would go through. Because we still don't have any reliable, consistent chemical method of reducing thatch in, in many situations, right? We're going to show at least two that have some promise, but we're going to show a, a, a rather rather thorough article um, that pretty indicates pretty clearly that they're probably not as as accurate or, or as useful as you might think the purpose of these studies was to more fully investigate the nature of thatch and methods for biological hastening and its decay now i'm not gonna i'm not this is not a, a comment about the authors because these authors may not be around to speak for themselves and that and that's not my intent to to criticize the authors but but in scientific literature, this happens all the freaking time where the objective or the hypothesis is not stated in a falsifiable way. In other words, you have to it, the, the hypothesis had a hypothesis could be applying nitrogen will increase the growth rate of turf grass. That is falsifiable. I can envision or imagine a manner or a way in which I can falsify that hypothesis. I could put out nitrogen and not see it grow. And that would falsify the hypothesis that nitrogen results in increased grass growth. But when a hypothesis is written, this the purpose was to more fully investigate the nature of thatch. I can't I, I can't falsify that. <clears throat> I can't envision a way that you can you, you can falsify that. Instead, to if this is for, for grad students and even faculty who are still writing today. Instead, write the hypothesis in a way that can clearly be falsified so it could be it would be more like um the uh, the application in this particular case the application of lime and i forget what other treatments he used the application of lime will reduce thatch buildup or re reduce thatch depth um over three years on this grass that i can falsify 
Okay, so keep that in mind when we're writing, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> this test was conducted on 15-year-old velvet bent grass putting green turf maintained at 0.6 centimeter cutting height. So this is um, like, I don't know what that is in inches, but it's very low. It's, well, 2 point, so it'd be, I don't know, like 0.15 inches or something, 0.1 inch, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. The soil was a brigham something, no, but good drainage. Okay. Um, during the test, top dressing was discontinued and fertilization was part of the treatment. All other maintenance steps were, con were continued as before. On June 11th, 1965, treatments were started on a randomized complete block layout in a three-way. Okay, that's, that's that stuff. Okay. With four, as follows. One, zero to a pound and a half of calcium in the form of dolomitic limestone applied at start of the test was one treatment. And two, a 23.77 granular fertilizer applied at monthly intervals at a nitrogen rate of, um, oh God, is he going to have this in? No, oh, he does. Good Lord. That's going to be quite high, I think. Oh, no, no he has it in grams. Okay, so that's going to be a pound. Rates of one pound plus one pound of nitrogen from this 20, 23.77 or two pounds plus two pounds and two pounds plus two pounds is one pound per thousand square feet of nitrogen. So he has different amounts of nitrogen being applied. And, and that was treatment two. And then treatment three, eight-week applications of zero. See, then he changes it back again to a kilogram. Why didn't he just stay in the same unit? Zero, a half a pound or one pound of a commercial-grade sucrose. Okay, I think I got those right in English units. He's going from grams to kilograms and staying on the same square footage, square acres or whatever, square or meters. Anyway, so he's applying uh, lime. He's applying nitrogen fertilizer at different rates, and he's, they're applying sucrose, a sugar. Okay, all treatments were thoroughly watered in after, after, after application. Turf quality was rated from 0 to 10 based on density, color, vigor, texture. Disease instance was recorded, so we're going to see some disease stuff. Um, I thought they had in here... No, they don't, they don't have in there. Okay. So the greenhouse experiment, <clears throat> the treatments were arranged in this design. Um, God, hang on a second. Okay. The treatments were zero to 195 kilogram screen loam top dressing apply. Oh, so he just, oh, so they just measured the mass. 190, 195 kilograms screen loam top dressing. So they top dressed one or they didn't top dress one. Or treatment two was zero, 122, and 244 grams of cellulase applied at the start of the test and again one month later. So cellulase is an enzyme that breaks down cellulose, as the name is, you know denotes. Um, we're going to find later in some other papers where there is some indication that might be beneficial, and we're going to find an indication that it won't be beneficial. But they used it back in 1967, whenever this was, 1967, yeah. So we're not doing a whole lot of new stuff here today. We're, these guys did it way back then already. Okay, all rates refer to pounds per 100 square meters. Both <laughs> He went from grams to kilograms to pounds. Both cellulase and glucose were applied at sprays of 1 to 100. Okay, so this is a dilution effect. Turf quality uh, ratings were taken at 10 and 14 day intervals to record the influence of treatments on the turf. 
After three months, thatch samples, four centimeters thick and 10.2 centimeters in diameter were taken from each plot for total organic matter content determination and chemical analysis. So he's got a several different treatments and he's got a greenhouse study too, where he's looking at loam top dressing or cellulase applied or glucose. Or he applied another one where it's a zero or um, 2.4 kilograms of glucose. So he's got cellulase and glucose. He's got um, lime or he's got nitrogen or he's got the, uh, the last one was the uh, sucrose. So he's got a variety of different sugars and an enzyme as well as nitrogen and top dressing. A lot of different stuff going on here. Physical thatch investigation. To study the physical composition of lawn thatch and to gain further insight into the possible reasons for its slow rate of decay, six 10-centimeter diameter thatch cores were taken from an old velvet bent grass sod. This turf had been under low maintenance and without top dressing for nearly 20 years and had developed thatch in excess of five centimeters, so that's two inches. So he had two inches of thatch from this uh, stand of bent grass that hadn't really been... um, heavily intensively managed uh, for 20 years okay so that's a good candidate basically for thatch you know, study you got a big layer of thatch there both fertilizer so the results so we're going to do the field experiment first that had the fertilizer nitrogen and the sucrose and the in the lime both fertilizer and sucrose treatments have pronounced effects on turf quality mean turf score ratings for the main effects as recorded on 14 weekly rate, reading dates are given in table one we're going to look that briefly but it's a little bit confusing the effects became noticeable within a week after treatment a a comparison of the main effect with the check zero sucrose shows that fertilizer applications generally improve the turf but sucrose lowered the rating as long as the weekly treatments were continued generally the higher sucrose had the greatest depression effect on turf grass quality intended to make mask the effect of the fertilizer so what he's saying is today well today on on some uh some uh uh, dethatch products, they'll have sugars. And in this case, it's um, specifically sucrose, okay, as, as a means to, uh, I'm assuming, enhance the microbial activity and therefore break down the thatch. But in this case, he applied sucrose and it actually resulted in a reduction in turf grass quality at, at, you know, under the conditions of this, of this study. And up here you can see this it's hard it's going to be hard for me to zoom in on this table because it's an old sort of broken out table yeah i can't even get it all on the screen but you can see the calcium effect here there was no effect of liming um on the turf quality at all you can see it's all a's here and then under the sucrose you'll see the as you increase the rate you'll see the the, the let me get my pen out here as you increase the rate from zero sucrose which is a 7.8 in june it goes from 7.8 to 6.9 with the application eight applications of uh, i guess 2.4 whatever that was 2.4 kilograms of sucrose and when you go up to 4.9 it's 6.7 so these are the same but you'll see this pretty consistent where the zero sucrose is 7.98 7.8 7.7 and then the these are all a's and then when you add sucrose, generally the, the quality declines. It went from 7.9 to 6.8, from 8.1 to 7.1. It's basically dropping a unit or at least a half a unit to a full unit, but following the application of sucrose. Okay. Whereas the application of nitrogen over here, where we're adding two, two one-pound two one applications is a 6.8, whereas two two-pound applications, it goes to an it increases to 7.3. Okay, so nitrogen increased the quality, sucrose reduced the quality, and lime had no influence on quality. All right. 
I'm going to stop there before I mess something up because that's a little bit of a challenging table to follow. Five weekly observations of dollar spot disease incidents were made from July 19th through August 18th. Now, they did apply some fungicides, but they still had dollar spot. The mean of these results of the main effect are listed in Table 2. Limestone increased dollar spot significantly on three of the five recording dates. So if you've ever heard me say I'm not that interested or concerned about soil pH unless it's causing a problem to the turf, unless you can connect it to the unacceptable level of your turf quality. I'm not that overly concerned about soil pH. And that's, I have that, have that position for many reasons, but in this paper, one of the justifications for that belief I have, or that position I have is when they limed this soil, they, there was an increase in dollar spots uh, severity. Okay. So here's a little bit of justification to, you know, avoid applying lime unless this, your pH is so low that the turf grass is unacceptable and it would likely increase as a result of applying that lime. Because if you apply the lime, you're going to increase, in this case, they increase the dollar spot severity. So there was that book, I forget who mentioned it the other day, the book of the, um, the king, the mouse and, um, oh Lord, it was, it's a great book. You really should, it's a kid's book. Um, the king, I think it's called the king, the mice and the cheese, the king, the mice and the cheese. So go, it's, it's like a Dr. Seuss style book. It's a children's book. I highly encourage you to read that book. It takes like literally four minutes to read it. Five minutes, not even that. And what happens in the book is the, there's a castle and the, the king has a mouse in it. And he brings in this uh, specialist. I forget who it is. And he says, hey, can you get rid of this mouse? And he says, sure, I can get rid of that mouse. And he brings in a cat. And the cat scares the mouse off. And now there's a, cats in the, in the castle. And the king goes, well, now I got cats in the castle. Can you get rid of these cats? And the guy goes, sure. You know, pays him some money and he brings him some dogs. So the dogs scare the cats off. So now the dogs are in the castle. And, the, you know, and it continues and continues. The king says, how do you get rid of these dogs? Oh, I'll bring in, I think the next one was a lion. He brings in a lion to get rid of the dogs. And it keeps going up and keeps going up. And then he brings in an elephant to get rid of the lions. And it just, it keeps compounding the problem because he started off with a mouse. And then the, the, the end solution is to get rid of the elephant. He brings back in the mouse. <laughs> Start back right where you came from. So that's one reason why I'm saying this. And when things are in equilibrium, when things are, you know, in, in a, a state of balance, I guess, and you, and you want to add something to throw it off, add something to increase some variable in the soil or on the turf or whatever. You just need to have a good reason because you don't know what else is going to happen. If you have a good reason, then in justification for it, then I'm all for that. But in this case, the application of a lime resulted in a, in a negative effect on the turf. Whereas if he didn't apply the lime, the turf was better. So just keep that in mind as we're going through the process of should I do this or should I not do this? The justification should be sound and the potential benefit should outweigh the potential disadvantages or negative effect that might occur. So let's continue. Sucrose treatments also increase disease damage with heavier rates giving the most damage, but these differences disappeared within two weeks after the last sucrose treatment. Higher fertilizer rates generally depress the disease activity and differences became more evident after sucrose applications were discontinued. So I don't know if I can get this on the screen or not. You're not going to be able to see it on the screen too much, but I'll explain it for those listening anyway. Let's see if I can just move this over. Can I? Oh, I can. There we go. Perfect. So for those listening, 
looking at a table that says mean percent incidence, this dollar spot incidence of main effects on velvet bentgrass putting green turf, treated with various rates of dolomitic limestone, sucrose, and nitrogen. And what we have is when we applied no nitrogen um, in July versus, I'm sorry, no calcium in July versus 24.4 kilograms per, oh God, whatever that is, I guess it'd be, I guess it would be a half a pound of limestone per thousand square feet. I, I, I don't know what that conversion is. Someone can help me with the, maybe it's, maybe it's 50 pounds alone. I don't know. 24.4 kilograms per hundred, hundred square meters. I'm sorry. I can't do that math in my head. I get confused. In July, there was no difference between these two, but as, as the, the summer moved on, the, the incidence of dollar spot increased when you applied the lime. So it went from basically 9% to 10%. It's not much biologically, actually, now that I'm looking at it, but it is significant statistically. And then as you go into August, you see it's a six basically versus a seven and a half percent disease. And then in late August, you're at 8.6 versus 10.6 disease. Okay. So you're increasing the disease incidence when you're applying limestone. And the same thing happened, but a much more magnified effect when you applied the sucrose. So we're applying the sucrose in an attempt to see what it would do to the thatch. But what happens is the, the disease incident goes up from 5.7% to 16%. Now it doesn't sound that much on a doc on a table, but when you go from 5% um, dollar spot as I think that's what it was dollar spot, right? Um, to 16% dollar spot, that's pretty significant. You're going to know that and your customers, your clientele are not going to be happy with that. You're going to see that. You can argue that Lyme had an insignificant biological effect here, and I, I probably would agree with you. But down here with sucrose, you're really greatly increasing the, the incidence of dollar spot from 4 to 13% in August. Okay. Whereas nitrogen, you give it a little nitrogen, the, the, the incident goes down when you have 2 pounds of nitrogen versus in this case they went four pounds of nitrogen and it decreased from 13 to nine percent and you see that pretty consistently throughout the remainder of the summer where you have 13 to 10 percent at the end of the summer 10 to 7 percent in the middle of the summer and so forth so nitrogen resulted in a reduction in dollar spot i'm sure i'm doing that yeah dollar spot as whereas sucrose and lime increased dollar spot so be mindful that your your intention might be um you know to result to reduce the risk or to increase the turf quality but what might happen is something else it's the the king the mouse and the cheese the king the mice and the cheese i forget who mentioned that to me but i i'm really glad he reminded me of that book because it's a perfect analogy to what we do sometimes in turf grass management all right so now let's go to the uh, table three i think they mentioned table three in um i don't uh, let, let's just continue and I'll come, I'm going to come back to table three. I think they mentioned it. Turf quality in the greenhouse. Turf quality was not decreased in this test in the greenhouse test when glucose was used as, as the source of readily available carbon. Um, oh, Jesse, you did, you, you mentioned that to me. Thank, thank you for that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't, I didn't, it's a perfect analogy. I didn't remember that book. <clears throat> um, but it is really oftentimes you, you end up chasing your tail you creating problems by trying to solve problems. And meanwhile, if you didn't do anything to begin with, you, you probably would be better off. And that's the reason I'm saying a lot of times it's better just to kind of wait, wait a day or two. I know we're anxious. We got to jump out there and put out some fungicides and we got to put go out there and put out lime or whatever we're going to do, but take a, take a deep breath and try to get your bearings a little bit before you just jump out and do something, particularly if it's out of the ordinary, particularly if it's, I haven't, 
a perfect example is I, I have I I took the first soil test in on my own property ever in my life about three weeks ago. I've never taken a soil test on my own property, and I took one because I actually have a study out here. I put a study out on my lawn, and I needed to take a soil test. Now, you guys have seen some photos of my lawns. I posted them on some of the Discord channels, and you know my lawn looks okay. You can put whatever rating you want to on it, but to me, it looks fine. I mean, if I were to rate that today, it'd probably you know, a seven or an eight on a quality from one to nine. Clearly it's above acceptable limits, but I took a soil test, sent it off to a reputable lab. Okay. And the pH come back at 5.4. That's the reason I don't care. I don't care about the pH because my turf looks fine. Now, if you, if you just knew nothing other than the pH was 5.4, you might be inclined to go out there and lime it to get it up into the mid sixes. Right. Oftentimes we hear that 6.3, 6.5 is where we want our pH to be. But in my case, I'm not going to lie. My, my lawn, my lawn, my lawn looks fine. <laughs> so, because I don't know what else is going to happen. The thing is fine. There's very little disease. I have a little bit of, um, violet out there right now. It's, it's sort of dying back. I guess the winter time's coming around. I don't know when violets germinate, but there's a little bit of violets out there here and there, but it looks fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's 95, 99% tall, turf type tall fescue. It looks fine. I don't care what the soil pH is. So I don't want to, I don't want to take the, take a soil test and go, oh, my pH is 5.5, 5.4. I got to go out there and lime it. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> your turf's fine. And it's the same thing with the mouse and the cheese. I mean, you you got a few mice in the, in the, in the castle. What are you going to do? Get a, get a, you know, a cat and get a dog and then get a lion to run the dogs off and get a you know, all the elephant to run that, you know, you end up and it's going to end up compounding into this expensive process when you probably, if you thought about it for a second and kind of reasoned your way through it, you might've saved yourself a whole lot of money and a whole lot of trouble. So anyway, I, I, I continue total organic. This is we're in, we're in the greenhouse experiment now. Okay, guys, where we're looking at glucose and, and cellulase and all these things. Total organic matter content was highly variable in both upper and lower thatch slices. Values range from 36 to 73% in the upper slices and 24 to 65% in the lower section, but there were no significant differences among treatments. Thus, the treatments employed in this study, as well as in the field experiment, proved ineffective in an increasing organic matter decay. This approach to thatch does not appear to be practical without further knowledge of the environmental conditions in the thatch layer as they affect microbial development. So that's the results right there. They, they did um, suc or sucrose, they did what was it, glucose, they did cellulase, they did lime, they did nitrogen, and none of them had an inf impact on, um, on, uh, on thatch decay. Okay. We're going to move on. And he has some photos here for those listening. He has a couple figures of photos. It's a little bit hard to see, but it shows photos of the thatch and trying to visually di display what he was, he was dealing with. Um, okay. Of particular interest were relatively high amounts of lignin detected in the washed organic matter. Average amounts were 10 to 12% higher than those reported by Bonner and Millar and also considerably higher than that determined for the composite grass sample initially removed from from above the thatch okay table three so let's go to table three and what i want to point out in table three if i can get it on the screen here and i'm going to read it for you guys listening is the comparison of averages of several organic and inorganic fractions determined from the composite grass sample removed from the thatch so you have to remember back then all they knew is that it wasn't decaying it was building up 
And they're like, well, wow. basically the question is, why isn't it decaying? Why is the thatch not decaying? The, we don't, you know, there's something about it that is, you know, um, retarding the decay rate. The growth rate's greater than the decay rate. Okay, so what it, what is going on here? And if you look at these various uh, variables on this table, we have on the left hand, the origin was either the grass, which was above the thatch, the upper thatch, which is the top zero to two centimeters of the thatch, or the lower thatch, the two to four centimeters below the, the lower part of the thatch. And what I want to point out is he has percent organic matter and loss on extraction and sulfuric acid is soluble and so forth. And he has a one column called percent lignin content. And the percent lignin content of the grass, the, basically the clippings, was 14%. But the percent lignin content of both the upper and lower thatch areas was 27 and 26 percent. And you can see some various differences um, on the other columns as well. But what I wanted to show was that because that is what the lignin content is what has consistently been over the years since this paper was published. Um, shown to be very likely the source of why thatch continues to build up particularly among different species of turf grasses take for example uh zoysia grass it has a higher lignin and i'm not i'm gonna move into my lane i'm getting out of my lane here guys okay <laughs> you know what you know i like to stay in my lane with soil fertility i'm getting out of my lane here i'm gonna turf with turf grass stuff I'm, I, so bear with me i don't know the thatch literature remotely as good as i know the soil fertility literature so if i'm wrong please let me know in the comments but the lignin content of and the 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 the, the constituents of zoysia grass that are resistant to decay are much greater in in zoysia grass than in other species of turf grass and that's one reason why the thatch buildup on zoysia grass is so much oftentimes more substantial than other turf grasses because it's more resistant to decay it has a greater lignin content okay so ch double check me on that i'm sure you guys will do that and i, I encourage you to do that i don't want to be wrong on that but that's my understanding okay so let's go back down here. We're almost finished. Um, these high lignin percentages in thatch may suggest that A, the sloughed mature plant parts are inherently high in lignin or a considerable portion of the more soluble carbohydrates in thatch is degraded initially and thereafter remains almost unchanged. So he's very, very clearly saying it's either high in lignin or there's a lot of soluble uh, carbon that gets immediately decayed and removed and then that's what's remaining afterwards according to bonner and v v varner lignin which is highly decay resistant encrusts much of the cellulo cellulo cellu cellulosic <laughs> cell structure very intricately and thus may block microbial activity okay the relative high amounts of soluble carbohydrates obtained from the lower thatch samples also confirm the statement by Bonner and Vonner that lignin blocks the readily, ready entrance of microbes to these compounds and thus prevents their decay. Okay, so the decay of all plants and animals occurs at the microbial level. Okay, after the animals have eaten their part and they're sitting there rotting that that rotting occurs through microbial activity and this particular plant part the thatch is high is high has a high content of plant components that are extremely resistant to the microbial activity this is what they're discovering or finding in 1967 
This might all seem very common knowledge nowadays, um, but this is what they found. And this is when they started to, to build from this paper. The examination of the thin thatch sections from the top layer downward under magnification up to 7x produced a clear picture of the bent grass thatch. Common statements in the literature that leaves and clippings contribute to thatch buildup would not be substantiated. Now, I've heard this a number of times, even today. I hear it from a lot of homeowners. Should I remove the tissue or mulch it back down in? Because if I mulch it back down in, wouldn't that contribute to the thatch buildup? The answer is, and the, liter the literature is pretty clear on this, that no, cl returning clippings will not um, enhance or increase the rate of thatch buildup. And the reason is what's posted in this document is that the constituents of leaf clippings are more e much more easily broken down by my microbes than the thatch. The thatch is more of a, think of it as a stem or a very um, thick, uh, you know, uh, lignin containing com uh, part of the plant, whereas the leaf will easily decay and therefore it won't add to the thatch buildup. But even in 67, they were saying that the clippings will contribute to it. I hear that every now and then today. Leaf remnants were observed in, only in the surface layers. At a depth of 1.6 centimeters, all soft tissues were largely broken down while only sclerified portions remained intact. So even in 67, we knew that was the case. That leaf tissue is broken down. Even if it goes down into the thatch a little bit, it will be broken down. The more recent upper thatch layers were also densely invaded by fine fibrous roots. Only a few intact roots were found extending through the entire depth of the thatch into the soil below. The major portion of the lower thatch layer were made up of nodes of bent grass stolons, particularly those which had rooted and formed new crown tissue. Other components noted were the sclerified fibers of the vascular strands, which formerly served as supporting tissue for the living plants. Okay, so basically not leaves. The sloughed and decumbent plant portions investigated showed considerable, considerably more structural detail and had undergone less decay where soil was lacking in the organic medium. In similar samples which had received routine soil top dressing, the degree of decomposition was farther advanced. So when they top dressed, the degree of decomposition was greater because there's more interaction between the lignified tissue and the soil where the microbes live. The phenomenon was most evident in the layer just above the original soil line. An abrupt change to, to a more disintegrated state could be observed at or near the soil line. These findings emphasize the importance of proper soil top dressing of fine putting green turf to reduce thatch accumulation. So the concept or the idea for ages of top dressing, some people oftentimes get a little bit, um, including myself sometimes, again, I'm not a, a strong plant person, uh, confused about the top dressing impact on 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 thatch decay. It's not that we're diluting the thatch with soil and we're saying, okay, because we've dilute, we've added so much top dressing that the amount of thatch is less because there's more soil there. And so percentage wise, it's less or whatever. It's not that it's that we're trying to encourage a microbial breakdown by increasing the surface area of the thatch that is in contact with the soil. Okay. And that's what we're going to find as we move through the next you know, five or six or seven papers is that top dressing and, and uh, other cultural management practices can have a, a beneficial response. It can have a beneficial, show a beneficial reduction in the, the, the depth of thatch. It's not always the case, 
thatch is not something that, you know, this is definitely what you do and it'll solve the problems. Okay. That's definitely not the case. Nor, nor is it the case that you can apply this product and it will chemically reduce the thatch layer. This, in this particular study, which is one of the very early papers, they looked at glucose, they looked at sucrose, they looked at cellulase. And, and he said in the, in the, uh, right here, it's, you know, I'll read it one more time before we close it out. Um, the, the treatments employed in this study, as well as in the field. So he did a greenhouse study and he did a field study proved ineffective and increasing organic matter decay. So none of the studies that they did here, none of the treatments that they did here were effective, effectively reduced the thatch depth or the organic matter in the thatch. Now, since then, as I've said before, just because um, uh, Tylenol uh, reduces your headache, it doesn't mean that less Tylenol will reduce your headache. There's a specific dosage required in order to achieve that result. And in this case, this is very early on, so we're going to find later that as we go into the other papers that there may be a benefit, but it might be different than what we found here because one, it might've been on a different turf grass, but two, they might've used a different rate or even a different form of the, of the sugar. Okay. So look forward to that on, um, in the next couple of weeks and believe me, I'm going to get through thatch as fast as humanly possible <laughs> because, uh, I just, I don't know. I just. It's not my thing. I'll say that. It's not my thing. But I understand it's important for people to understand and to kind of um, have better confidence in your purchasing and your management practices to what justifies your actions, right? And in this paper, at least at the beginning, we don't see any justification for using uh, the treatments that he used under the conditions that he that he used them, okay? They used them, which was cellulase, glucose, and sucrose, and uh, and lime, None of those resulted in a okay, but hold hold tight. Don't don't take that and run with it because we're going to find in the future that there is some uh, benefit to some of these if they're done correctly on the right grasses. Okay, guys. Okay, so uh, tomorrow night, I appreciate everybody showing up and participating in the chat. Thanks so much for coming back. And um, it's a sort of a weird day. I had an early video and I closed it and opened up this one to have two different ones today. I wanted to make sure I had a chance to cover that uh, prior topic. Um, but tomorrow at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll go ahead and uh, uh, cover the thatch. I want to be able to um, start with understanding what the differences are in thatch measurements because the um, some of the papers will measure thatch differently. And in order to have some sort of context and understanding of what that means, we have to understand what are the differences and what are the what are the variations based upon the method in which you measured the thatch. There is one method that is the gold standard. And we need to follow that method and have the, if we do, we'll have the most confidence in it. If we use other methods of measuring thatch, then the results can vary. And we need to understand that as we read the future papers. Okay. So look forward to that tomorrow. If there's no more questions, um, according to, okay, let me read Andy, Randy's thing here. According to Asian turf grass, when you get below 5.5, you are not getting bacteria to decompose the thatch. As I remember, he refers to part grass experiment. Yeah. I don't know about that experiment. I'm not sure what he's referring to on that. Um, certainly microbial activity is, is critical and is one of the main reasons why the uh, pH in the middle sixes is, is generally preferred. It's not just the solubility of nutrients and all these other things. It's the microbial activity that drives a lot of this ship. And, um, I, I don't know if what he's claiming or saying is true or not true. I don't know, but I, I, it doesn't, sh it doesn't surprise me once you get to a certain, um, pH, a low enough pH or a high enough pH 
microbial activity will definitely change. So uh, anyway, guys, thanks for coming by. We will see everybody tomorrow evening, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, have a great day. Be kind.